Bibles tonight and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. I taught school for a number of years, so I know it's hard to do something you were never taught to do. And uh, that holds true if you're trying to understand algebra or if you're trying to understand marriage as a husband. You can't grow if you don't know. And uh, Becca and I just passed 16 years of marriage on December the 8th. I don't claim to be an expert at all, but I have learned a few things. She's taught me a few things in 16 years. Maybe I should put it that way. Um, But every man should be constantly looking for ways to improve, whether they've been married for six months, six years, or 60 years. Um, And and as I mentioned this morning and and even last week, I'm trying to do a few things here on the family. Boy, we have a a lot of families in our church and a lot of young families, and that's an exciting thing for us. Um, but this is, this is very helpful and very necessary for us. You know, one of the things that I always wondered um, is how can, you know, how could a couple be married for 25 or 30 years and then get a divorce? You know, you'd think that if you've been able to make it for 25 or 30 years, you could just stick it out for another 25 or 30 and, you know, just end it that way, right, rather than calling it quits and everything else. But I think what happens is uh, couples grow apart because they put all their emphasis, all their effort on their children, which, uh, again, we have a responsibility to raise our children for the Lord, and we have a responsibility to them to, 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 to train them up and to take care of them and everything else. But a lot of times that comes at the neglect of the husband and wife spending that time together. And by the time the kids grow up and get out of the house, they've been married for 25 or 30 years, and they realize they don't even know who each other is. And they realized they don't have a whole lot in common. The only thing they had in common was the kids. And now the kids are gone and they just, irreconcilable differences and they divorce. And, you know, I, I think, I mean, that's a sad thing that it happens that way. By the time you get to 25 or 30 years, you should be closer than you ever have been, not farther apart than you ever have been. And uh, so hopefully this will be something that will help with that tonight. But the reason, the reason that you should constantly, as husbands, be... Uh, looking for ways to improve in your marriage is because the husband is supposed to be the head of the home. And we've talked about that many times. If things are breaking down at home, it's the husband's responsibility then to, to get it back together. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't release the wife from her responsibility as the wife either. And the responsibilities that we find in, uh, in a lot of different parts in the Bible, especially in Ephesians chapter 5, but we see it in a lot of different places that the wife's responsibility is to submit to her husband and to follow her husband's leading and everything else. And so both of those things have to be going in the right direction. But there's a lot of times in the Bible where we see the command for husbands to love their wives. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 is just one of those, but I want to look at that and use this as kind of a a starting point tonight. But it says this in verse number 25, Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, we know how much Christ loved the church. He loved the church so much that he was willing to give his life for the church. Uh, He did give his life for the church, and he continually uh, goes to God on on behalf of the church, his bride. And, uh, and, And I don't think it's any coincidence then that God compares husbands loving their wives to the way that Christ loved the church. The, the church is the bride of Christ, and one day we are going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus Christ and, and realize everything that he did for us. But the husband has the responsibility then to love his wife, and if you love somebody the way that you love them, they will respond in kind, or more than likely they will. But a lot of younger guys out there, maybe even some older ones, want to know what it takes to become attractive and irresistible to women. Uh, I can't speak for all women, but I think I can speak for most. And I came across this acrostic, just, just a little thing that somebody put together. 
uh, and I want to expand on it tonight. The, the, the acronym is HOT, H-O-T. And so I think it's safe to say that every hot man is irresistible to his wife. And I want to look at that acronym tonight and just give you a short lesson, uh, really to husbands tonight, on how to be a man that your wife cannot resist. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a couple of these things tonight. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you so much for an opportunity to be here. And God, I pray that you'd bless the message tonight. We thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn over to James chapter 4. It's not, uh, maybe it's not what you're thinking when it comes to this, this acronym, maybe a little bit misleading, I suppose, but the first uh, characteristic of a husband that is irresistible to his wife is that he is going to be humble. James chapter 4 and verse number 6 says this, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist devil and he will flee from you. But I think it's such a key point at the end of that verse. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Every single one of us needs the grace of God in our lives. We have a lot of situations that we face every single day where we need God's help. We need his grace. And of course, we have his grace that he gave us for salvation. And we have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as our savior. But we need his grace every single day. God resisteth the proud, the Bible says. I mean, could you imagine how, how ignorant somebody have, would have to be to resist and push against God. What is resisting means pushing against something, right? How do you get resistance? Something else has to be pushing up against it. And, and so somebody who is proud essentially is God, he is pushing back against God. And God said, I'm, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And I'm not talking about a false humility where you deflect praise, you know, somebody gives you congratulations or tells you great job and, oh, I'm nothing, I'm, you know, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I, I don't know how I ever even, uh, you know, got up here to sing or play the piano or whatever else. And I'm not saying, I mean, there, there, there are some people who probably genuinely have a humility like that, but humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. That's the difference. That's what true humility is. It's putting others in front of yourself. And that's what a husband has the responsibility to do with his wife. If, if things are not going right, and it may be partially the wife's fault, the husband has to have the humility to initiate the solution. That is part of being the leader, in the home, same thing with, with, when it comes to a church, right? But, but that's something that, that I was not good at when I was younger in my marriage. If we were both wrong, I wasn't ready to take the initiative and admit it, and it didn't help. And I, you know, I, 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 I was not fulfilling my role as the husband in the marriage. That's my responsibility, is to initiate that, and, and, and honestly, it takes humility to do that. And as I've matured, I think I, I like to think I've gotten a little bit better at it. I still have, have work to do. Uh, but I, I better be because that's my job. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 is another passage. Ephesians 5 is, is, is about as clear of a passage on the home as you can get. But 1 Peter chapter 3 is another one of those passages that really, uh, and, and so you, you really get the double whammy. Peter and Paul were probably two of the most well-known uh, figures in all of the New Testament. They certainly wrote the majority of the New Testament, but between the two of them, both of them hit on this topic of the home and, and the, the order that is supposed to be in the home. First uh, Peter chapter 3, really all the way up through probably verse 12, has a whole lot to do with the way that we submit uh, not only to the Lord, but to each other in our marriage. And in First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, the Bible says this, Likewise, in, in the first part of that verse, really, the first part of those verses really is to 
to the, the wives and to women. But in verse number seven, it switches and it goes right at the husbands. It says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Well, that's a pretty serious thing then. That means that if, if we are not treating our wives the way that they should be treated, then that is hindering our prayer life. That's hindering our, our spiritual walk. It's hindering our relationship with God, not just the relationship with our wife. It's hindering our relationship with him. But he says, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now turn back over to Ephesians chapter 5, because I want you to understand that, that don't confuse that with a husband rolling over and playing wimp either. Right? The, the husband giving honor to the wife does not mean that he says, yes, yes, dear, you know, tell me what to do. The husband's supposed to be the man of the home. He's supposed to be the head of the home. When he needs to put his foot down, he better put his foot down. But that leadership is by example. He cannot, should not demand something from his wife that he's not willing to demand out of himself. And Ephesians, I think we get that idea in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. An irresistible man is humble because he's teachable. He admits when he doesn't know the answer. He's not afraid to, to ask others for help. And he's humble enough to be patient with his wife as he learns her heart and how, how to love her better. Uh, every husband ought to be a student of his wife. You ought to know what your wife likes. Uh, another thing that brings about that humility that really comes, uh, uh, comes from maturity. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's that he's willing to listen to other seasoned husbands on how to be a better husband. Right? There, there's, there's a lot of books out there written by a lot of good Christian authors that will give you some great things that you can do to be, a, to be a help in your marriage. It comes down to what I mentioned a little bit ago and being willing to always look for ways to improve in your marriage. And if you're not doing that, then, then it's going to stagnate and things are going to fall apart and there's going to be that unrest at home. But a husband has to become a student of his wife. Learn what she likes. Learn what she dislikes. That way you can push your buttons at the moment's notice when you need to, right? I say that tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but uh, you, you, know, you, you need to learn what she dislikes so you can stay away from you. You need to learn what she likes so you can give her those things. Humility also means that when you make a mistake in marriage, you have to be willing to admit it and admit that you're wrong. And that's hard for a lot of men, especially with type A personalities. But, but you should be the first to apologize. You should be the first to, to forgive. You should be the first to make amends. Your responsibility is to put your wife's needs before your own. That's what it means when he talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 3, that you should give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Put her needs before your own, right? If there's only one piece of pie left, give it to her, right? If there's, if there's uh, two, two pieces of pie and one's tiny, give her the tiny one. No, I'm saying uh, give her the bigger one, right? But that's, that's what it means to give her that honor. And, that, and, and a lot of times that takes humility because, again, our flesh is just as strong as it ever was, not just with the way we fight against sin, but in our marriage and in every other place. You know, we have that selfish nature. We have that desire to want to be right. We have that desire to want to be first. But a husband becomes irresistible to his wife because he doesn't allow his ego or his stubborn pride to push his wife away. And I think he shows that, that internal strength by humbly admitting his struggles to his wife and, and instead of hiding those things. Husband, 
an irresistible husband is humble, but the second thing then is that an irresistible husband is obedient. And that's not a word that a lot of men embrace, but it's a character trait that most wives find irresistible. And I'm not saying <coughs> that it's a husband who obeys his wife. Yes, dear, you tell me what to do. Yes, of course a woman finds that irresistible, right? My husband just rolls over and does whatever I tell him to do. I'm not talking about that. By the way, there's a lot of type A women out there who are married to husbands who are not. And that becomes very dangerous in a marriage because a, a type A woman who is married to somebody who is not type A has the tendency to take charge in that marriage. And that upends everything that we find in the Bible about the way God designed it to be. It, it takes a, I, I know it takes a lot of work for a woman who has that type A, maybe that leadership personality to give that position to her husband. And the reason why a lot of women are leading homes today is because the husband didn't take that leadership role. So the wife stepped in and took it and the husband said, great, somebody's leading, I'll follow. That's not the way that it's designed to be though. And that's when marriages fall apart. That's when families fall apart because that is not the way that God designed it. It's not the way that God set it up, especially when you look through Ephesians chapter five, but even first Peter chapter three and, and other passages that we could look at. God designed the husband to be the leader. And the husband has to step in and take that leadership role, but the wife has to give it to him, right? My husband's a leader in my home because I said it's okay for him to be the leader. But it, honestly, that's, that's, that's the way that it has to be, right? The, the wife has to understand God did not create her to be the leader in the home. God created her to be the follower in the home and to follow her husband. And husbands have to understand that God gave them that leadership role, whether they want to take it or not, that is their responsibility. And so, but, but if, you know, if husbands won't take it, there's a, there's a lot of wives who will take that leadership role and then everything gets turned around. It's not supposed to be that way. But by obedient, I mean that it shows the husband's ability to respect authority, especially when it comes to God's authority. A, a wife knows that a husband who respects authority outside the home is also a husband who's not going to abuse that authority in the home. And again, that's where that balance comes in. If we're, if we're right with God... A husband that is the leader in the home is not going to abuse that authority, right? And that's very easy for a husband to do, especially a husband who has a really strong type A personality and a wife that does not, right? It's very easy for a husband to, to, to abuse that authority, but an obedient man is willing to step up when it's difficult and even when it's unpopular. When things go wrong, an, an obedient man accepts the responsibility for that because as a leader, he knows that even though that may not be his fault, it's his responsibility. It's the husband's responsibility for the direction that the home is going in. And it's the wife's and the children's responsibility to follow that. But Ephesians and 1 Peter make that very clear, that the husband is commanded to be the leader in the home. An obedient husband does not shy away from his role as the leader. And when I'm saying that a husband is obedient to the word of God, it is. You step up and take that role. Right? Something that, that well, my, my wife and I, we, we uh, co-lead together. Something that has two heads is not, is not better. It's grotesque, right? I mean, how many times have you seen something out there with two heads? It, does, it just doesn't work right. And it's, it's, it's that way for a reason. That's why you only have one president of the United States, why you only have one pastor in the church, why you should only have one person leading the home, because somebody has to be the leader. A husband who is, who is not shying away from his role as that leader is going to embrace it. And in turn, he's going to earn that respect of his wife and children because he's leading by example, not by excuses. And how can a wife resist a man who's obedient and loving in leading his family? 
that's, that there's, there's a lot of other things to that that we could talk about when it comes to the husband's leadership role, but that obedience to the word of God is, is very, very important. Turn over to Acts chapter 24. A husband that is irresistible to his wife is humble, he's obedient, and lastly, is trustworthy. There's probably a lot of other things that we could say. We're just narrowing it down to three tonight. But they say a man is only as good as his word, and that's been, you know, a man's word is his bond and so on. You've heard that for years and years and years. And if that's true, then a trustworthy man who speaks the truth in love rather than, uh, uh, and, and rather, I would say, loses the woman he loves and lied to her is, is irresistible to a woman because most women consider trustworthy men to be an endangered species. Uh, I, I hear people talking all the time about, you know, dating and, and uh, you know, there's just nobody out there. You can't trust anybody anymore. There's no good men left and, and all of that. And uh, if you don't believe me that, that trustworthiness is a huge part of marriage, then just ask a wife who's been lied to, ask a wife who's been betrayed or deceived by her husband, and they'll tell you that trustworthiness has a whole lot to do with the marriage being successful. Marriage, the, the entire marriage is built on trust. Right? If I can't go to my wife and tell her anything, and if she can't come to me and tell me anything, then what do we have? Right? If, 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 if she comes to me and tells me something that's, uh, you know, uh, that she's struggling with or some secret that she has or something like that, and I go blab it to my friends and she finds out about it, that trust is gone. And I can't, it takes, it, I'll probably never get that back. The trust is what you have between, that, between a husband and a wife. And when you break that trust, and, and there's a lot of ways that that can happen, but there's a, you know, whether it's, it's being unfaithful or whether it's, you know, being in places that you shouldn't be in or whatever else, uh, that trustworthiness, it, it takes years to build that trust, but it only takes a minute. It takes a moment to lose that trust. And, you know, I, I don't blame a wife who, who never trusts her husband again after something like that happens. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm amazed when, when I find out about uh, a husband who has cheated on his wife and, and she takes him back and is willing to work with him. Uh, I don't know how you would ever trust that again, but that trust has been broken. And so that trustworthiness is something that is so, so important in a marriage. It's, and I say it's essential in a marriage that there be no secrets. Um, Acts chapter 24, verse 16 uh, this is not talking about marriage, but I think it fits in this situation. It says, and herein, Paul talking, do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men? If you have secrets that you're hiding from your wife, then you don't have a conscience that's void of offense toward men. You don't have a conscience that's void of offense towards your wife or, or honestly for wives toward their husbands. Again, it's the husband's responsibility to lead by example. You should never uh, have a separate bank account. You should always, even if it's an account that only you use, your wife should be on there so she can see it. I mean, it's, it makes it far too easy for you to go and spend money on things that you, and I'm not just saying, you know, I went and bought a a four-wheeler today, and I probably shouldn't have. I'm talking about stuff that's wrong, things that you should not be spending money on. You have a bank account that's secret that your wife doesn't see. You could do anything you want to, and there's no accountability there. Who's going to stop you from doing those things? You have an easy way to hide it, right? But uh, you shouldn't have a separate credit card. Uh, it, it makes it far too easy to sneak around and do things that you shouldn't do. Your wife should have the passwords to your computer and your phone and and. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what else, but my wife has a password to everything that I own. 
And, and that means that she could get on there and look at it anytime she wants to. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about her getting on there because, number one, I, I'm not doing things that I don't want her to see. But that keeps me from doing things that I don't want her to see. Because if I know that she could get on there at any time, then I'm not going to be sneaking around and doing things that I don't want her to see, right? Uh, and, and it's, I mean, there's, there's so many other things that go in with that. But if, if you know that's a possibility that she could get on there and, and see those things, then you're certainly going to guard what you watch. You're going to guard what you look at. You're going to guard where you go. Uh, you're going to involve, uh, uh, guard what you get involved in, and on and on and it goes. So a, a husband who is honest and trustworthy doesn't hide, he doesn't withdraw, he doesn't isolate, and he doesn't keep secrets from his wife. Now, the, the thing is, live right and you don't have to worry about it, right? I mean, if, if you don't have to worry about keeping a secret, then you, there's no secrets that you have to worry about somebody finding out about, right? Live right and you don't have to worry about it. But if you want to become irresistible to your wife, you have to be trustworthy. And in some cases, that means, you know, choosing disclosure over deception. Uh, man, I, I can't imagine a husband living with guilt over doing something that he's afraid that his wife is going to someday find out, right? Man, get it out there. You know, get it right, you know, but, but having that heart honesty, having that, you know, sharing those things over secrecy. There ought not to be secrets that you don't share with your husband or your wife. I know that being humble and obedient and trustworthy probably aren't the usual things that you hear from women that are looking for Mr. Right, you know, but uh, trust me, when it comes to being married, those character traits are usually at the top of a list for a wife and what she wants in a husband. What women say uh, many times went wrong in the marriage when they got divorced. And, you know, something, uh, you know, honestly, you know, uh, my husband's not humble. I'm getting a divorce. I mean, that's not, you know, that's, that's not something that is grounds for a divorce. Or my husband's not obedient, so I'm divorcing him. You know, trustworthy, I mean, depends on, on what was broken and everything else. But you ought to do everything you can to fight to keep that marriage together. But in the world that we live in today, there are a lot of people who get divorced for a lot of different reasons. And one of the reasons that, that women give a lot of times is that my husband wasn't these things. And so, my goal for you is to help you get your marriage where it needs to be before you get that far, right? You shouldn't even, you sh your marriage should never get so far that you're even considering getting a divorce, uh, get, getting a divorce. I want to have a marriage that not just survives, I want to have a marriage that, that thrives, right? I've, I've got kids that are, that are watching my life. I've got kids that are watching our lives. We've got a lot of kids in our church that are watching the families in our church, and you have a responsibility to, to, to God first and foremost, but you have a responsibility to them too. You have a responsibility to, to model um, the way that a husband and a wife should be. Healthy marriages, and, and this, is why, this is why I say that, that my job as a pastor is, is to help you have a healthy marriage because healthy marriages make healthy families, and healthy families make a healthy church. If our families are falling apart, we're not going to have a church that's solid, that's unified, that, that's moving forward. And that starts with the family, uh, with the husband and the wife, right? The kids are, are not going to grow up and live for God if, if they've watched their, their, their mom and dad their entire lives be inconsistent uh, with, with their spirituality, but with each other and everything else. How do you think that they're going to grow up and have a good, strong, solid marriage if that marriage was never modeled in their own home? Right? And again, I, I, I'm not trying to harp on this, but it goes back to the roles that a parent, uh, that, that uh, husband and wife have in the marriage. Right? Children obey their parents. Wives submit to the husband. Husband be the leader. 
When, when that's the way that it is, it fits and it works because that's God's plan. But every person in that relationship then has to, I say agree, but every person in that relationship has to be willing to follow God's plan or the whole thing breaks down. If the husband's a leader and the wife won't follow, it's going to break down. If the wife is willing to follow but the husband won't lead, it's going to break down. If you let your children be disobedient and disrespectful and, and rebellious, it's going to break down. And the whole point is, is that we have families that are strong and healthy. That builds a strong and healthy church. And when you have a healthy church, you can get out into the community and you can be a, a force for the cause of Jesus Christ. When you have families that are falling apart, how do you think you're going to get out into the community and share the gospel and be any kind of uh, you know, uh, strengthening th thing for the community. And, and so all of those things have to go together. That's, that's what I want. And when you see how great it is to live like that, I think that that's what you'll want too. It's, I know it's mostly to husbands tonight. Honestly, wives, uh, uh, all of those things would fit for wives too. Wives can be humble. They can be honest. They can be uh, obedient. They can be trustworthy. Um, but it's the husband's responsibility to take that leadership role. It's the husband's responsibility to model that by example. It's the husband's responsibility to fit in with God's plan and to make it work and to initiate those things. And it's the husband's responsibility to learn his wife, to know his wife, to love his wife. And that's, that's not just something I'm saying. That's something we're commanded over and over and over and over again in the Bible. Hot, right? Every hot man is irresistible to his wife because he's humble, he's obedient, he's trustworthy. And again, there's probably a lot of other characteristics that we could add into that. But boy, if we could get those three things under control, we'd be a whole lot further on our way to, to having a marriage that is blessed by God and that is enjoyable. I, I, I don't know why you would want to be in a marriage that you just endure. I mean, it must be a miserable, miserable life for people who are in marriages that they're just enduring, right? God wants us to have marriages that are going forward for him and that are producing something together that we could never be apart, right? You, th you think about a violin, a violin, beautiful violin, wonderful, exquisite, you know, whatever else, and no bow. What good is that violin, right? And what good if you say, man, I've got this bow that's worth $10 million, Okay, what, what good does a bow do you if you don't have a violin to play it on, right? But when you put those two things together, boy, they are something together that they can never be apart. And that's what a marriage ought to be. Using that relationship, using that marriage to be something for God that I could never be on my own. Something that my wife could never be on her own. But together, we can make beautiful music and do what God's called us to do and be a whole lot more useful in his service. But that only comes when we show that humility, when we have that obedience to the word of God, and we have that trustworthiness between the two of us, something that we share that nobody else shares. Boy, what a wonderful thing that is. That's what produces a strong and healthy marriage that's going to produce a strong and healthy family that's going to produce a strong and healthy church. And that's God's desire for us, and that's my desire for us too. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Give me thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that this will help to us tonight. And God, may it be that our families are strong because we are following the word of God, strong because we're willing to have that humility that is necessary for our relationships to work. And God, I pray that you'd be pleased by everything that we do. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.